Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. Hello, welcome to Facebook Live with the Garden Gurus this morning. I'm Trevor Cochran. We have got some amazing information coming up for you today. We'll be streaming, obviously, through the Garden Gurus Facebook page, Love the Gardens Facebook page, Garden Express's Facebook, and, of course, our own YouTube channel. And this is your opportunity to ask questions. I'll introduce you to some pretty special guests and give you the opportunity to take up a pretty amazing offer as well through today's show. Now... Um, very important when you do post your questions, please let us know where you're from. So uh, what city or what town, what state, of course. Uh, to all of our friends uh, who are recovering from floods in uh, New South Wales, uh, I hope uh, everything's coming up better for you. And, of course, uh, over here in Western Australia last night, we had a fairly significant disaster in uh, in the Midwest of the state as a enormous cyclone category three blew in over the coast and damaged severely um, a couple of small towns it's moved right through the middle of the state dumping a lot lot of rain in the middle of the the state which is probably going to be good for crops uh, further down the line but at the moment uh, there's a lot of damage out there and uh, hopefully uh, there's nobody been hurt but you know, you've got uh, all of our love coming at you to all the people that uh, have been affected. A bit later on today's show, we'll be catching up with my good mate, David Van Berkel. He's got a brilliant offer. Of course, you know David's from Garden Express, and uh, they are bringing you every week a special offer to keep your garden looking fabulous. Uh, if you caught up with uh, Saturday's episode of The Garden Gurus, you might have seen Waldex. One of the things I love is new garden centres opening and Waldex... Um, uh, is an iconic West Australian uh, garden centre chain that opened a brand new garden centre. They uh, refitted an old store completely out, launched it. It was absolutely spectacular. And Sheridan Tiong is going to join us uh, with Wallex top five indoor plants. A chance for us to have a chat this morning with her. Now, as always, we've got prizes to give away. There'll be uh, four packets of Mr Fothergill seeds. I can't show you any this morning. Uh, and a copy of the book, Two Dogs in a Garden. But... Um, uh, they're, they're fabulous and of course these get down to best questions so for your chance make sure you ask your questions in the comment section of this video and don't forget to let us know your state and city that's really important we'll quickly run through a few questions and then we'll catch up with david now uh, george is in chidlow in wa hello george you've got an apricot uh, tree that had the leaves have gone brown from the tips and eventually they've all fallen off 
it sends out new shoots uh, which do the same. Now, that could be this terrible chili mite that's going around causing a fair bit of damage. The best solution to that is actually to get a predatory insect, a predatory, um, it's a chili thrip actually, uh, and it's a predatory mite that eats the thrips. Uh, you can get those uh, from our friends uh, at Biological Services here in the West. They're also in South Australia and they breed, they're insectary, so they breed uh, beneficial insects. It's one way to get control. The other way is to use a sulphur-based spray and uh, that will knock them back and probably encourage a little bit of growth. But you're not going to see a lot more now. We are in the autumn and leaves are starting to fall naturally. So, George, it's probably going to be best, I, I would suggest, that you just let it take its natural course now. Let things go deciduous and hopefully in the spring it'll bounce back and the damage that was done early in the season isn't too severe. Connie, I'm not sure where you're from, but you want to know what trees or bushes can you plant around green waste? The moment you've had a lot of rain and the water has just stayed around with nowhere to go. So it sounds more like a drainage issue to me. Um, trees and shrubs, there's all sorts of trees and shrubs that'll perform in good soil. And I would suggest that probably the, the key for you right at the moment is to establish, do you want native plants? Do you want exotics? If you want natives, grevilleas, for example, tend to do pretty well in heavier soils. A lot of those tropical varieties that come from sort of the mid and north of New South Wales that have been hybridised, spectacular in that kind of environment. And then if you were thinking about um, other plants to go in around this sort of area, things like viburnums, uh, as far as an exotic goes, they would be fabulous. Um, but look, you do need to actually get on top of the water flow. That's where getting moisture into the ground is vitally important. Um, blowing through the soil, not sitting on the surface of the soil. Now that's usually getting down to coring and adding something that is, um, is going to encourage and improve structure in the soil. And that's where something like mineral magic which uh, you can see over to my left-hand side there is absolutely brilliant and certainly something that um, we could incorporate into the topsoil that'll continually improve uh, the structure of the soil as you go along. Now, shall we uh, get moving straight into our Garden Express offer of the week and catch up with my good mate David Van Burkle over there in Melbourne. Hello, David. How are you? How's the weather? It's cold, it's Trevor. Cold. I'm freezing down here in the office. Does it, where is change, Melbourne? Right? We had, to, had a, uh, I think we had a 29 or 30 on Thursday. Um, and, and then, yeah, a weekend full of rain, which, which is great, great for the gardens and uh, nothing like what the rest of the, uh, the country's had. Um, yeah. And, of course, it's fresh morning uh, this Monday. David, I'm hearing from uh, across WA, from the southwest at the moment, a lot of country towns talking about 60, 70 mils of rain overnight. Um, for you, when you get that sort of, you go from hot to cold, how does that affect gardens in Melbourne? I think Melbourne gardens are, are pretty used to that. We don't, uh, you don't see a huge change in, uh, in your plants. Of course, um, you know, your, your grass gets fresh and, and greenness happens immediately um, mm -hmm. when we start to get a bit of rain after summer. But we've already had a little bit, uh, 55 mils up here in Mombok over the weekend and, and a couple of places had 70 mils. So... Um, but, hey, the benefit of a mountain trev is it all drains away and we're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the, the good thing. Mate, um, you guys, you know, we, we talk about rainfall and we've had lots of it and a lot of people think when they think of um, water-wise gardens, they'll think of cacti and succulents, those plants that originate from pretty dry climates. But one of the revelations I had um, through my travels in Africa was to see uh, aloe growing wild 
And to realise that aloe doesn't grow in sandy, dry soils, it actually grows in these deep, rich, red, earthy soils. And it's a it's an amazing sort of situation where um, when it when it rains there, the rain soaks and saturates that the aloe slowly sucks that moisture back up into its cell structure within the leaves, and then holds it. It doesn't release it, you know, very quickly, so that when they do go through long, dry periods of time the plant's able to continue on. It's a really clever adaption, but but that's one of the things with all uh, of these um, succulent plants, isn't it? They, they really are incredibly um, incredibly good at adapting to extreme conditions. You guys have, have got something, you've done got a bit of a deal coming up. Is, is that correct? Uh, we have. We've put together a, uh, a, a succulent offer to... Um uh, to go with some ceramic pots, mainly with the indoor or, or the patio idea, Trev, because as you say, with all the succulents and including the aloes, they're um, they're very tolerant. I think is the word I'd like to to use for them. So you know yep. they can get a bit of a drenching and then survive for for quite a long time. Uh, and particularly as as an indoor plant, succulents are marvelous that they don't they don't need that sort of daily care or weekly care. They can go for quite a while. So. Um, this one's been six months in the making, Trev. We've, uh, we've got some beautiful ceramic pots with some coasters to, to put under them uh, and 100 mil succulents uh, that go into those beautiful uh, vases, which I've got one here. So you get quite the oh, sizable wow. uh, package there. Yeah, and, they look great. Uh, as you can see on the screen. That's, um, that's pretty amazing. So, so there's two, you've got two collections though, right? I think we've got three collections, Trev. So okay. three, three succulents in each collection, from echeverias to some sedums, um, you know, the nice fine leaf things, uh, Hawarthias as well. Oh, fantastic. Now, tell me, tell me what the deal is. Uh, well, I'm sort of double-checking with my team, Trev, because this one's pretty good. Uh, we've got a 40% saving down to uh, $39.50 for from the kids. From sixty five ninety, right? That's the normal price. That would be what you'd buy them in any garden centre. Oh, absolutely, it's our, it, that would be our everyday price. But uh, again, the team are consistently delivering your viewers uh, some really good deals, and this one's yeah. a, a ripper in my books. No, David, I, I just need to check. That's that's the, the plant and the ceramic pot, right? Yeah, three of in each collection. I think you need to go and check with the team, Dave. I think you made a mistake. I know, I know. I'm just uh, <laughs> no, that's all good, Trevor. It's all good. We work hard to uh, to deliver some really great deals. You know, there's so much on our uh, on our website to choose from, and um, it's just good fun to be able to bring together these great packages. So, yeah, uh, this one's going to be very enjoyable uh, every day when you come down for breakfast or something to to see them on your um on your bench top would be would be delicious. Yeah, look, there's nothing quite like beautiful um, succulents in in a nice pot. I, I just I'm going to quickly share something with you. I um, caught up with a friend on the weekend, magnificent, absolutely spectacular passion fruit, laden with fruit, so much fruit that they're never going to use it all. And I said to her, where did you get it from? She goes, I got it delivered direct to my doorstep from Garden Express off your last offer, which was only probably six months ago. And this thing's gone ballistic and it's got a full crop in it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Put, put a passion fruit in the right spot. I think I tried about seven times, Trevor. And, yeah. uh, and and I put one in last year and exactly the same, like buckets full of passion fruit. And I love them. They're delicious. Well, yeah, well, look, it's it's probably, I think the most amazing thing is that um, this was, she would have received this right in the peak 
of shutdown um, with, with COVID and uh, she was able to obviously get it delivered direct to the door, take it out, put it in the garden and just six months down the line, first crop, she's like, she's blown away. I can't believe how big it is in six months as well. And, and that is that thing of definitely get it in the right spot. But more importantly, mate, these deals, this is the great thing about Garden Express is you deliver direct to people's doors. Yeah, look, and, and, and it's a really proud moment when you say something like that, Trevor, because we've, you know, we've been doing this for a long, long time and, uh, and during COVID, uh, you know, heaps of new people have tried the online experience in a wide variety of, of products from, you know, from clothing and shoes, as did we. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I just uh, really enjoy being a, a part of that process and, and delivering to people, um, you know, a little bit of adventure, a little bit of fun. Yeah, you know what? And I think um, I've just got Leonie from Adelaide just written into us as well. She bought some bulbs, had them delivered, Spanish bluebells, freesias. She wants, wants to put them in a pot because she's going to move house. She wants to know if this is the right time to plant them. Can you give us one last bit of advice before we say goodbye today? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd say to her just to wait till probably Mother's Day for planting in a pot. Uh, make mm -hmm. sure those really hot days are gone. And a larger pot is always better for your bulbs. It gives them a little bit more nourishment and sustenance. To, to last a little bit longer and regenerate for the next year for flowering. Awesome. That's great advice, David. Thanks very much. Another great deal from the guys at Garden Express. Keep up the good work, my friend. Cheers, Trevor. Thank you very much. See ya. See ya. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on The Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer so make sure after today's show, you jump online and visit their website. Those guys, they're incredible. And you know what's great about Garden Express? And we sometimes sort of take these things for granted, but this is a family business. Um, it's not just one family. It's a multi-generational family business. They've been doing this for home gardeners for many, many years. And it continues to just be a, um, a wonderful source, probably never been more relevant than it is today. We'll keep our questions coming through now. I do need to emphasise to you about um, letting us know where you're from because sometimes, and this is a classic example, sometimes you will ask something and where you live will really affect what my answer is. In this case, Linda, I'm not sure where you're from, but I keep getting what I think is powdery mildew. One day the plant looks fine, the next day it's all silver. It's affecting petunias, salvia, babina, dahlias, and you've tried many sprays with not much effect. Now, I could be wrong, Linda, but if you're in the tropics, um, it could very well be powdery mildew that you're you're seeing or possibly uh, down right down south, so in Victoria or, or Tassie. But if you're in Western Australia, then I would say Western Australia, South Australia and probably Sydney at the moment – that silvery effect that you're getting would more likely be something like red spider or two-spotted mite, and they are causing that that problem. The, the, the trick will be if it's powdery mildew, you'll see a powdery covering on the leaf. If it's red spider mite, underneath the leaf, you'll notice it's a, a real silvery pattern there, and you should see little fine webs, and that's the simplest way to, to check it out. Both can affect the plants that you've mentioned, which is why it's really difficult for me to suggest. The only thing I would say to you is that I think dahlias are more susceptible to red spider mite. And again, it gets back down to biological services, getting some predatory mites. You can spray sulfur sprays, etc., over them. But um, 
it's a short-term fix. The long-term fix is to get control of the populations and introducing predatory mites like bacillus is probably the best way to go. Hopefully that helps. Annette is in Mulwalla in New South Wales. How do you get rid of curl grubs from the veggie garden? Now, that's a good, that's a really good question. Um, the simplest way to do it uh, is to make sure that you're actually soaking the soil because the curl grubs will come to the surface and birds will eat them. In fact, magpies love curl grubs. And what they do is to get the curl grubs to come to the surface, they tap the soil with their feet. And if you watch magpies when they're walking across a lawn, they'll often do that. And they're just tapping just like it's rainfall, rain falling on the surface. And the curl grubs, because they don't want to drown in sodden soil, they'll move to the top close to the surface where um, the magpie's sharp eye will pick up and pull them out and eat them. And my suggestion is that you look at giving the ground a really good soaking. Um, that will bring them to the surface and it will give the birds a chance to control them. I'm not a big fan of, um, of using chemicals, but there are chemicals out there, things like bathroid that can soak the ground and kill them in extreme cases. Certainly, um, my preference is not to do that, but that's my advice. Now, I've got Sheridan from Waldex joining us. She's, um, she's coming to us from the jungle by the look. It's looking pretty uh, fabulous there, Sheridan. Uh, can you turn your microphone off mute and we'll have a chat? Hi. Hi, Sheridan. Hi. Look Welcome at you. Melville Jungle, the World X Melville Jungle that I've uh -huh. probably curated here for us this morning. You, um, you did some pretty amazing stuff with that store, Sheridan. You guys have really set the new benchmark. The plants in the store are just spectacular and the range of indoors are as good as you'll find anywhere in the country, aren't they? They're just superb. They're, they're actually really incredible. And do you know what? Like we actually grow them in our own farm just about an hour up north, which is why yep. they're just so juicy, so healthy. They don't have to travel far. Um, and obviously they're acclimatised to the WA weather. So they'll survive as well the moment you get them out the door. And, and look, that... That's a, that's a really good point because um, you, in a lot of places around the country we move stock from the north to the south or the south mm. to the north and the plants yeah. are not adapted. It takes them a, a while to yeah. adapt. But when they're locally growing and not far from that, you, you've got low carbon miles, there's a tick, and then, then you've got the, the situation, of course, where the plants are actually adapted to the environment, which means they get off to the best possible start. That's it. That's exactly it. And they're so, grown with love. And with like. love. And a pretty good sense of pretty good sense of humour too, Sheridan. Yeah, they love a good joke. Yeah, so tell me tell me about um, there was a bit of a storm on social media on uh, the first of April this year. I couldn't believe it when I first saw it. A brand new plant. Yeah, so up in our Pine Lake farm, we've been whittling away for about eight months trying to figure out um, how to how to rearrange the DNA of a monstera <laughs> to create our very own wall decks variegated monstera seeing as they are all the hype at the moment yeah um, so we've come out and, and the variegation seems to what some would say look like the waldex logo <laughs> I, love I don't think it looks like that but it does so this is um, Mon monstera waldexiensis isn't it waldexiona uh <laughs> something very glamorous i think as we called it um you, but no you I'm, I'm like, i was gonna <laughs> say you guys you're a little mischievous, aren't you? Because uh, it was it was a great April Fool's gag, but it had a lot of people rushing in to get their hands on them. 
that's it. Unfortunately, we, yeah, we did run with this one just a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's just some nice acrylic paint um, that we, we painted onto the, the leaves. But it looks pretty good at first glance. Like, I don't think you can really tell. But we no. have had it sitting at the front of the Waldex Melville um, desk. And, it, yeah, it's garnered some good attention. But, yeah, it was a fun little joke, and I think everyone took it. That's great. Fun. I think I think it's good to have fun like that. You you guys have got a really quite incredible collection of uh, of indoors, and with the rush with COVID, we saw everybody move to indoor plants, and there was a sudden shortage of stock because growers generally they take two years to get a decent sized plant, um, yeah. but because you have your own nursery, you were able to obviously have very very good stocks, and um, the size of the plants in the nursery uh, in the garden centre is spectacular. But you, you also have a huge range. Tell us a little bit about the range of plants that you've got there. So it really stems from obviously all your indoors, um, which is all the rage at the moment. Um, and then it moves on through out towards more of your garden stock. So we're not only just a, we're not just a plant shop, we are a garden centre. So we do actually service the entire industry. So yep. we go from, yeah, like a little house plant indoors, like your typicals um, that you'll find almost anywhere right through to some rarer plants that we also grow ourselves um, and little seedlings vegetables um, oh we actually got these beautiful boxes balls in as well which are like a landscaper's dream yeah the status symbol of the garden so it really comes from yeah just your local um, plant enthusiast can come down right through to like a professional landscaper we've got everything you possibly need and you've got the, the beautiful black um, ZZ plant raven there as well. Look at that. Yeah. I know. Black Isn't he foliage. just gorgeous? Yeah. I think all the dark foliage is all the rage at the moment with the nice mm. high contrast with all, you know, being white, minimalist, clean look is so lovely. And then having a nice contrasting black is, is just spectacular. It looks really beautiful. And that's for, for somebody who doesn't know um, indoor plants, that is almost indestructible, that plant. They are just so tough. They're so, so tough. Um, basically, the only way you can really kill them is by overwatering them. Like, we like yeah. to say that they essentially thrive on neglect. So if you forget about this guy, he's most likely the most happy he's ever been. If you just put him in a corner somewhere and forget, he's good. Um, now, Sheridan's not joking with that, folks. I've got to tell you, that is, that's the best bit of advice you can get. It doesn't matter whether it's a dark corner in the house. It doesn't matter if it's a bright spot. It doesn't matter if you forget to water for three weeks. This is a plant that will still continue to perform for you. It's amazing. What else have you got there for us? So in terms of your little house indoor plants, yeah, we've got the ZZ Raven, to no one's surprise, is like a top seller. This is our, our flagship boy. Yep. Um, coming up next, I know David did touch on as well, is these beautiful succulents. I think these Gorgeous. do really well in an indoor environment you can kind of bunch them together make yourself a little succulent bowl yeah and once again these guys are pretty tough to kill um i think it's just when you remember to water them i think that's that's normally when when you can yeah i don't know if you can see the coloring that this guy produces but it's such a beautiful pastel pinky purple which i think is so mm. unusual um normally cactus get a little bit of a bad rap for being not yeah. super colorful yeah um and here we have our Chinese money plant. I love this guy. I think he's so weird and slightly alien looking. Yeah. Um, these guys are prolific growers as well. They're pretty happy in like a nice sunny warm spot, obviously mm -hmm. not direct sunlight. Um, but yeah, they, they'll grow and you can, these little offshoots, you can replant them out and give them 
to everyone else. So you'll have abundant little Chinese money plant babies. That's right. It's meant to bring it's meant to bring wealth to the to the household. So it's a good one That's to have it. inside. That's it. And before you know it, you'll have your own little dynasty of Chinese money plants. <laughs> Um, and what else do we have here? So we have, of course, uh, some of our favourite other devil's ivy, um, or the pothos as well, so all of our little climbers, which are pretty easy. Again, they're pretty tough to kill, but these ones provide this beautiful lush foliage, um, and you can have them either cascading or climbing. Yeah. Like whatever way that you choose, um, and they're pretty easy to propagate as well. So even though you might come take one home with one stem, if you cut, if you chop off just where a node is and you pop that in water for a good couple of weeks, it just starts to root and you can yep. pop him back in the original potting and make it like a nice bushy effect and Wonderful. eventually a plant will grow. And that's a that's a pretty different, you know, a lot of people are thinking pothos. When they think of those, they think of the, the classic devil's ivy with the, mm -hmm. the golden variegation through it. But mm -hmm. you've got a really different variegation through that particular foliage as well. So this one is a Scandipsis exotica, exotica Scandipsis, which is the satin pothos, but it's his older big brother. So he's essentially got these really huge lush leaves that can really grow as big as your hand. So it's, it's so stunning as well. And this variegation in the light actually sparkles. Like it's really one of my favorites. And look, you know what? I've, I've had them at home myself in hanging baskets and it makes the most wonderful hanging basket as well. So great, great cascading trailing effect. Yeah, I was having a chat to Scott, one of our uh, horticulturalists this morning, and he said that one of his friends actually planted the, the devil's ivy around the base of a pot of an um, elephant ear. So essentially around the pot, it just creates beautiful cascading effect, which I think would be really lovely. Beautiful. Another tip for, uh, for your... Um, your little uh, cuttings that you suggest that people take. Now, what else have you got? Have you got another plant you want to show us? Um, I think another classic indoor one, which I think everyone loves, is our the infamous fiddle leaf fig, which if I can just put him into frame here. We currently have some that are, I'd say, well over three metres tall. So they're really mature, really lush boys. Um, but they don't obviously have to grow that big. I think the bigger the pot you put them in, the more room you allow them to grow they'll grow according to it but these guys are a super trendy plant at the moment with these beautiful giant lush leaves um they can be notoriously a little bit fussy but if you just make sure that they are allowed to dry out in between their waters um mm -hmm. give them some nice bright indirect light make sure that none of the rays are directly hitting the leaves um and I don't know if you've heard, Trev, but the, the latest thing to do with these figs is to give them a bit of a shake at the trunk. Mm -hmm. um, so we say that because it's obviously, it, it just mimics that simulation of the, that the wind would give it if it were outside. And yeah. it, just allows, it simulates the root growth and the trunk to strengthen. So we say once a day, give it a little bit of a shake. And Interesting. Good advice. Well, good tip, Sheridan. Thank you so much for joining us. You've done very, very well. Thank you. Thanks. Well, keep up the good work out there at Wallnex. You guys are doing a really good job. And, folks, if you haven't been out, if you live in West Australia, haven't been out to your local Wallnex or go and check them out. This Melville store is spectacular, but your other stores are fantastic too, so it's well worthwhile checking out. Sheridan, thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Thanks so much for having me, Trev. No worries. See ya. This show is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. 
whether it's a garden, a balcony or potted indoor plants. They want to inspire anyone, anywhere to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com. I'll tell you what I'm going to do before we get too far down the line. I'm just going to give you my plant of the week. Do you know this one? This is a fruiting plant that you'll find this time of the year. What makes this unusual is probably the fact that the fruit is not sweet. Pretty much everything else that we're picking this time of the year is sweet, but this isn't. This is actually savoury and it's fabulous with cheeses and biscuits. It can be eaten fresh. It's fine. Um, and it makes the most amazing chutneys as well. It's called Tamarillo. And when it comes to plants that are easy to grow, this one is simple. Now, once the fruit has gone this dark red colour, you quite literally, I'm going to try and break this open and just see if I can show you what it looks like on the inside. But once you break it open, now you can see that one there. You can see that black. They're all little seeds. And each one of those seeds will produce a new plant. So you only need one fruit from your local grocer. Now's the time to get them, crack the fruit open, spread the seeds out over a paper towel, let them dry out, and in a week's time plant them. And in about four weeks' time, you'll have little plants emerging. Now, they do grow during the winter months, and uh, it is a small tree. So it gets to about three to four metres in height with a spread of about three metres, and they are absolutely scrumptious. They're incredib incredibly prolific. Best of all, they have no pests. They don't have any problems with pests. They really are a hardy plant. They come from South America and are incredibly good for you, a rich source of nutrients, particularly vitamin C, which is very good for us because that enables iron activity as well. Now, I know that you've been lining up with all your questions and we have a lot of them coming from all over the country. So I'm going to do my best to belt through as many as I can. There's a few familiar faces there. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, answering your questions as we work our way through. Now, the first one, um, again, just go back to the one very important thing. Please make sure that you tell us where you're from. It does help me enormously. Um, Lynn, I'm not sure where you're from, but you've only recently planted some small native trees. And with frosts on their way, um, you wondered if you need to fully cover with guards or is or with this covering... Is it suffice for protecting? I'm not really sure what that means, but um, you've covered the top and the sides where the majority of winds come from. Now you get to just under one degree some winters there, so that's freezing and that will cause some problems. Now the way nurserymen overcome that problem with freezing is that they'll run sprinklers in the morning just on dusk, so usually around 5, 6 a.m. depending on when, uh, sorry, not dusk, on daybreak, just when the sun's coming out. And the idea of that is it'll melt the any ice that starts to form um, and warm the plant a little bit before the sun comes up. And just as the sun comes up, then it starts to warm it and it stops the cold damage to the cells. That's one way to get around it. The second thing is to try and put some plastic frost protectors around the outside. Garden Express sell them. So you can jump online and you can get them delivered direct to your door. And that's probably what I would recommend you do, Lynn. Hopefully that helps. Scott? I don't know where you're from either. Um, after you get a crop of eggplants, should you remove the plant or keep it for another crop? Interestingly enough, eggplants generally are biennial, so you'll get two years out of them. And the second year, you should be able to get through. But if you're in really cold conditions, and this is why it's important to know where you are, if you're in really cold conditions, 
it's highly likely the plant will be damaged through the winter and, and not much good come springtime. And so, in other words, you're better to start with new fresh plants. So please give me a um, little, uh, little bit of feedback as to where you're from. Norma uh, is from Leeming in WA. Hello, Norma. Now, Norma's got a great question because in Western Australia, something very unusual has happened. Everybody is complaining. In fact, I got a phone call from um, Radio 6PR over here last week and I was being asked, they were getting bombarded with people complaining about crickets chirping at night, annoying them. In fact, we even have some in the office in here. And um, they were wanted to know whether they're, you know, whether they're bad, whether they can, or how to get rid of them. There's a real story behind this. So it's highly likely the crickets that we're talking about are mole crickets, which dig down into the ground. Now, previously in Western Australia, you know West Australians are called sand gropers. Well, the sand groper is actually a type of mole cricket. But there are two new imports that arrived here about two years ago and they are moving very quickly through the Perth metro area and they are everywhere and they're in the soil and they're causing all sorts of, of problems. Now, when there's a lot of them, they can eat roots and that can impact your patio plants. But it's a very unusual thing. It's not normal and... Um, you're looking for ways to try and bring them in control. First thing I would do, I'd suggest, is that you look at putting talcum powder over the top of the pots just early in the evening on the soil. Now, crickets, when you look at them under a microscope, they have all armour around the outside. It's all shells, but there's little joints like in around the elbows and that's when they're moving around. They hate the fine powder getting in there. They can't clean it off and it drives them mad, so they'll actually get up and fly away. So that's probably the first thing you can do. So you get them to move out of the pots. Second thing is there are chemicals like bathroid that I mentioned before that takes care of uh, lawn grubs and um, uh, curl grubs and so on. That's another solution. But I would much prefer you didn't do that. The upside to having crickets is that they actually aerate the soil. So their burrowing is actually very good. A little bit of root pruning is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Uh, too much is a problem. So it's getting the balance right. I hope this helps you, Norma. Uh, Corin is in Queensland. What's the best way to get rid of nutgrass? Unfortunately, nutgrass is one of those really um, invasive grasses that if you try pulling it out, you'll just propagate it. It has little tiny um, corms around, or little um, corms around the base of its root system. And when you pull them out, each one of those becomes a new plant. So you very quickly end up with a, um, uh, you know, quite a significant spread of them. Um, systemic in, uh, herbicides are the best control. Um, so I hate to say it, but that nasty word glyphosate is probably the one that commercially is used to get control of this properly. Um, you can put layers of, uh, of, of newspaper over the top. You can try and smother it out. Um, you will bring the population down but you won't necessarily get fully in control. So my suggestion, probably to look at a systemic. Um, some of those contact sprays, if you were to continuously use them, um, and there is a new form of Roundup out that is not glyphosate. Um, it is a contact spray. It uses um, something called pelagonic acid, and uh, it's a very, very effective way of knocking weeds down. I'm currently undertaking some trials myself with regards to nutgrass, but I think it's a long-term multiple-use strategy to be able to get right on top of it. So, Corinne, 
maybe the systemic might be the way to go. Now, folks, um, I hope you've been enjoying this series of The Garden Gurus. We did have a bit of an issue on the weekend um, where we started early in some states um, as poor old Prince Philip had passed away and a lot of the stations went to news early. So um, you do always need to keep your eye out on the guides to make sure that uh, where you are, that the, the show's playing at 4.30. But here's another great, or here's a good example of another great episode that's coming up this weekend. This Saturday on The Garden Gurus, I'm going to help you get your lawn singing with plenty of nutrients and help you save water and fix any water repellency, hydrophobia issues you may have. It's this Saturday, folks, on The Garden Gurus. For some of you, this could be a life-changing event. There you go, and there you have it, as Nigel would say. Um, Another great episode coming up this weekend. There's lots of good down-to-earth advice in this this series, and I think that's what it's all about. Lots of inspiration coming your way too. We'll keep going with our questions and answers because uh, you've got them flying through. In fact, uh, I think we've got something like another eight or nine coming up now. Debbie is in Perth. What's a good grass to grow that'll survive two dogs? You want something very robust uh, for two dogs because I've got two dogs, and even though I've got lots of grass, they still manage to leave wee marks and all sorts of issues. But look, the best grass, the toughest grass, is without doubt Kaikuyu. It's a very, very hardy grass. It grows during winter and grows during summer. And that's very important, particularly uh, when you've got dogs that do, both from a wear and tear point of view and also from a urine point of view, can cause the grass to set back. So um, my suggestion is that. The, the downside to that is it is a v- very vigorous grass, so you need to make sure you've got all your edges sealed off so that it can't escape into garden beds. Otherwise, uh, there is a bit of bit of uh, weeding needs to go on. I hope that helps, Debbie. Uh, Dennis is in Sydney. Hello, Dennis. You've got a succulent garden uh, with all the plants actually in the ground. That's really good. But they're not doing well, and you're wondering if it's okay to give them a boost with sea salt or if it's not advisable. Well, sea salt, let's clarify what sea salt is. It's seaweed extract. Now, if you were to look on the side of the bottle and you were looking for a nutrient list, you wouldn't find it because it doesn't have nutrients in there. There's no nitrogen or anything boosted with with the basic sea salt product. It's full of plant hormones. And basically, these, when you put them into the ground, these natural chemicals improve the health of the soil, the health of the root system. So in other words, it's probably going to help the plants if they are suffering. Succulents do like controlled release fertilizers too. There is a power feed uh, controlled release it's boosted by uh, Treforte technology and that could be another good thing to add at exactly the same time you give them some sea salt hopefully that helps Margaret you're in uh, Port Brighton in South Australia I don't know where that is but it sounds like it must be a lovely place South Australia is a great part of the world my young jacarandas are developing multiple trunks can I cut off the green ones and leave the main one been told you shouldn't prune jacarandas absolutely cut them off and i don't know who told you you shouldn't prune jacarandas but you prune that tree to be what it is that you want from it so you want a nice long single trunk prune off any of those side shoots so that you get all the energy going up to the top of the tree and you develop a nice canopy that's very important sandra not sure where you're from sandra you've got the lucky bamboo plants now this is an indoor plant um, how often should I water them? Told when the soil is dry, um, but with stones on top, it's hard to tell when the soil is dry. Uh, some of the tips are yellow. Okay, the yellowing of the tips is probably a sign of a lack of nitrogen. 
they do need fertilizer, not huge amounts. So just a controlled release. Osmocote's always a good one to use. And when it comes to water, you should water them around half a cup twice a week. Okay, and that's for a pot about that big. And that's all they're going to need. Remember, this is a plant that can also be put straight into, literally cut, put straight into water and it'll drop roots and grow quite happily in water. So too much water is not going to hurt it, but um, there is a happy medium when you've got them in soil and it's important that they're getting air to the roots. So hopefully that helps. Tala is in Aberdeen. Hello, Tala. It's lovely to speak to you again or to see you again this week joining us. Is there a native climber that bears edible fruit for growing over an arbor out on the farm? Now, that's a great question, Tally. You've really challenged me here. As far as a native climber goes, I can't think of one off the top of my head that I would recommend to you. I'm thinking through all the options and I haven't got one. I would have gone straight to one of those classics like the good old Choco or um, any of those sort of, um, you know, we were just talking before about passion fruit. But when it comes to native plants, there's certainly some native passion fruit varieties, but their uh, their fruit is not really edible, to be quite honest. It's not that enjoyable. So uh, let me do some let me do some homework, Talat. You've um, you've definitely won the prize this week. That's got to be it because that's a great question. I'll do some research. I'll come back to you next week on the show. Pam is in Western New South Wales. My plum trees are just starting to drop their leaves. How often should I be watering during the autumn and winter? Don't water at all, Pam. They don't need it. Um, once they've dropped their leaves, they're not, they're not needing moisture at all. They want to rest. So let them rest. Don't feed them. Don't water them. That's all you've got to do. Jenny is in Melbourne. Hello, Jenny. Uh, you've got issues with your lemons and limes. They've both got lots of fruit. Been feeding with liquid fertiliser, but the leaves are not a rich green. They're yellow. Now, Jenny, it suggests that probably your soil pH is a little bit on the alkaline side. What that tends to do is it locks up those greening nutrients, iron, magnesium, and what you want to do is you want to try and acidify it a little bit. Now, you can do that using sulfate of potash as a fertiliser, and that'll acidify the soil, and that should assist in fruit set. Um, but to be quite honest, one of the things that you can benefit from straight away, as soon as you put the sulfate of potash down and acidify the soil a bit, is put down iron chelate or chelates, as we sometimes like to call them. And uh, that is a very fast-acting um, dark green nutrient that will really change things quite dramatically for you. So hopefully that helps you, Jenny. pH, iron chelate, and it should go dark green. Visit the Garden Guru's online store and browse through a collection of high-quality, German-made Wolfgarten tools. You'll also find a range of books with information to help create and maintain a beautiful garden. You can also access the online store on the Garden Guru's Facebook page. Janice, is it true that you can pop a peace lily in the shower to clean the leaves once in a while? Absolutely. Just don't wash all the soil out, Janice. That's the only thing you don't want to do. Um, you should wash down all the leaves of your indoor plants at least twice a year. Now, the reason is that indoor plants are sponges. They suck up everything out of the atmosphere and the air in our house is actually poorer quality than the air outside our house, believe it or not. We have all these laminates and all these um, fabrics and things like that that slowly emit gases into the air. Now, these are called VOCs, volatile organic compounds, and some of them are carcinogenic, so they're not good for us to be breathing in. Great thing about indoor plants is they tend to suck a lot of that stuff in and, of course, they emit fresh air, so they're, they're purifying, they're improving the air that we breathe. But 
once you start to get a big build-up of these impurities on the outside of the leaf, you end up in a situation where you actually start to see the plants die, the leaves start to die back and they start to suffer. So take your plants out, give them a good wash down with a, with a hose, let them sit outside and dry, then bring them back in. Don't do it on a hot day, do it on a, you know, on a, on a cloudy day and you can't go wrong. Really good question. Well done. Maz is in Ipswich in Queensland. Hello, Maz. Welcome back. When should a sapote be trimmed? The answer to that, and there's different types of sapotes, there's white sapote and black sapote, the yellow sapote. Um, now, these are tropical fruits, and the best time to trim them is immediately after you've harvested them. So as soon as you've picked fruit, give them a trim, and that's the perfect time. Don't do it once they start flowering. You're just going to impact... Um, you're just going to impact the health of the plant and, and your own crop. Now, Alona is from Mackay in Queensland. She's got a plague of nutgrass. It's heartbreaking. Look, um, it is a difficult thing. Certainly smothering nutgrass does help, but you have to have really big, thick layers of, uh, of compost or mulch over the top and certainly a barrier in between. That's the key if you're going to try and do it naturally. It's a really difficult one to control organically. I'm sorry about that. I can't give you any other solutions. Last but not least from Wonturna in Victoria. I love Wonturna. Sandra, hello. Um, I'd like to know what plants are suitable to plant in front of gardenias, low-growing, south-facing. Okay, well, look, you know what? It depends what you're trying to achieve, but if you want to get something that's really nice and compact, hebes are a fabulous plant with a south-facing aspect. So beautiful, um, cooler climate plant. They do like it a bit cooler. They'll grow warmer warmer climates like uh, Queensland or like uh, Sydney, I should say, and Perth. But um, in Melbourne, they do exceptionally well. And there's a whole bunch of different varieties with beautiful pink, white flowers. There's lots of different options. And they'd be perfect in front of gardenias because they're only going to get to about 30 centimetres maximum maybe 45 centimetres in height. So um, that's the perfect height because gardenias tend to be about a metre or so once they're mature. Um, yeah, hopefully that helps. That's, um, that was a pretty easy one, Sandra. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we are going to have this live streaming for you so you'll be able to re-watch through what you've seen if you're uh, going to our Facebook page. Um, we will, of course, we'll get better at our technical issues. We do seem to have new challenges every week, but that's part of life. Thanks for your patience with that. We'll be back with another episode next Monday at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Lachlan's going to reach out to this week's winners. Lachlan um, did uh, producing today and Steve did uh, the, Steve Edo did the technical side. Thanks, guys. Please make sure you check your message to see if you won. And, of course, there was the, the seeds from Father Girls, but also that two dogs and a garden. I think we'll come up with a new book for you next week as well. Um, the Garden Gurus Autumn Series is running currently on Channel 9 at 4.30 p.m. Saturdays. Remember, you can always jump onto our website. You can catch up on previous stories from the show on thegardengurus.tv or our YouTube channel. Um, and also, of course, you can watch the whole program on 9now.com.au. You can listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Audible. Wow, what a day. This is just the start of the week. I hope you have a great week. I hope everybody's safe wherever you are in the world at the moment. It seems to be we have challenges coming in this left, right, and centre. There's always the garden to 
look around you, leave you feeling good. Look forward to seeing you again on Monday at 12pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Trevor Cochran, happy gardening everybody. We'll see you again soon.